everybody. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for tuning in once again, and I hope that you're all doing well uh, wherever you are and uh, enjoying the fall wherever you are in the country. We're now into the second full week of hearings into the public inquiry into the Emergencies Act. Now, such an inquiry is automatically triggered when the act is invoked. I've shared my initial impressions of the public in inquiry so far. Um, I wrote a column in my regular National Post column. Do check it out if you can. In my opinion, um, at the time of writing, the government's rationale for the emergency, uh, for invoking the Emergencies Act has fallen flat on its face uh, based on the testimonies of some key expert witnesses who have essentially disagreed with the official narrative that the protesters were violent insurrectionists um, bent on overthrowing the Justin Trudeau government. Um, and I feel that with each passing day into the inquiry and more, and as more and more testimonies uh, are heard, uh, the government's rationale, uh, the government's case for invoking the Emergencies Act is looking extremely weak. However, I'm no lawyer, and today I have a great guest with me. Um, he is a well-known attorney, well-known criminal lawyer, uh, who's been on the show before, Ari Goldkind, um, and he is here to share with us uh, his impressions uh, and his professional judgment as a lawyer about what we've learned so far from the public inquiry and where we're likely to go from here. So please welcome Ari Goldkind to the show. So, hey, Ari, welcome back uh, to my show. It's great to have you here again. And uh, today we're going to talk about uh, your thoughts on the um, ongoing public inquiry into the use of the Emergencies Act by the Trudeau government this past February uh, to get rid of the Freedom Convoy protesters who uh, had uh, were in the city for almost three weeks protesting the vaccine mandates and other uh, pandemic restrictions. So um, it's great to have you here, Ari. It's great to be with you, Rupa. And I know our last conversation about Tamara Leach being an enemy of the state. I, yeah. I saw how many people watched that. I think that's more of a compliment to you than me, but I don't think I've gotten as much positive feedback from <laughs> an interview in 10 years of doing TV that has clips watched by millions of people. So. Oh. It must mean you're doing something right, and that was a great conversation, and I'm looking forward to this one. Oh, you're too kind, Ari. I think you you were the real star there. I just asked a bunch of questions, but uh, you know, you just uh, it was it was what you were saying, and it resonated with a lot of people. Uh, my my local noodle uh, guy noodle uh chinese noodle place uh he recognized me and he said oh i saw that show with that lawyer and uh so you're you're the real real celebrity here Ari. Uh, so, i i don't uh, know that that's the case but i often get called that lawyer and i'll take that as a compliment <laughs> all right so so Ari, so we're going to talk about the public inquiry into the use of the Emergencies Act. We're now into the second full week of witness testimony and cross-examinations at the inquiry. Uh, I found it very striking that so far, at least in my opinion, there seems to be um, very little support for the government's case, especially from public officials uh, and not the politicians. Um, but I want to get your view. What do you think we've learned uh, and not yet learned so far in these first couple of weeks. Uh, what's your general impression? 
So I have a bit of a different number of takeaways to me that jump out from the mm -hmm. first week or two of this. I don't think the things I think are things most Canadians turn their mind to or are even talking about. It basically comes from my life as a criminal defense lawyer, which I sometimes separate from the politics. I mean, anybody should hear me go off about crime. You know, you'd be hard pressed to think, oh, he defends people. So my takeaways, and I'll give you the number one, uh, one Rupa, and then we'll get into some other ones. The number one takeaway for me of the last two weeks is that for Canadians who are paying attention to this inquiry, and I think a lot are, I think most aren't, we're worried about inflation, another stupid interest rate hike that's going to take apart the middle class. We're in the middle of a real problem in the Western world right now, so I appreciate people are not distracted by the newest, shiniest object. There's a lesson to be learned here that I don't think Canadians are learning. And that lesson is the importance of cross-examination. And I know that sounds a little bit boring or legal easy, but let me try and explain why to me, that's what this Emergencies Act inquiry should be demonstrating to the Canadian people. We don't have cameras in the criminal courtrooms. Canadian people didn't watch Gomeshi's trial and watch how people that were complete liars were decimated. We're not watching the Kevin Spacey trial where his accuser was decimated and the jury came back in an hour. This is a man whose career was destroyed. We don't have cameras in the courtroom. Mm -hmm. Now, what's the link with my answer to you on that versus what Canadians should be taking away here? And this does tie into Doug Ford refusing to testify. I'm sure you're going to ask me about that later. There is a connection here. And much to your audience's chagrin, and I'm going to link this all together, I have to give Justin Trudeau credit for being willing to do what Doug Ford isn't willing to do. We'll get to that because it ties into the theme here of why this inquiry is important. I don't think the result of it will be important. You certainly saw Jagmeet Singh basically yeah. act in the most ideologically dishonest way and say, even if it comes back, that this should never have been invoked, the government usurped. Uh, its power. This was completely undemocratic. Freezing Canadians' bank accounts was horse manure. Rounding people up and pretending they were violent was disgusting and Kafkaesque. You see Jagmeet Singh go, no, no, I want to stay in the, in the halls of power. There's all connections here. The reason I say I give Justin Trudeau some credit here is because he's willing to be on the hot seat. And my takeaway from the first two weeks is look at how we've come to all of the answers where Canadians are actually seeing that the Emergencies Act was a bit of a cluster. You can fill in the rest of it. You have a, 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 an officer from the OPP. I think his name is Pat Morris. I might be having a brain cramp. Any Canadian interested in this who's ideologically honest, not tribalistic, not partisan, should watch Pat Morris's testimony where he basically in one fell swoop decimated the rationale for the invocation of the act. And the point that I'm making to this, and then I'm going to take it to a little detail, which I don't know how many of your viewers have seen. They should watch it. The clips are out there. Where some disingenuous, full of crap witness was testifying in English. He had a bit of a French accent, but he's testifying in English. He's more well-spoken than me, and I'm a pretty well-spoken guy. But then he gets caught by one of the lawyers for the convoy people and he gets cross-examined. And the person running for mayor who lost the other day whispers to him, answer in French, answer in French. And 
The reason I mention cross-examination again, just for people who don't understand why I'm saying this, is because we live in a country where there's a movement to do away with cross-examination, holding people to account, not believing all women, not believing all politicians. Cross-examination is not, Rupa, it is not standing at Queen's Park Press Gallery and deciding who you're going to take questions from Mm -hmm. or saying the minister only has five minutes to answer two softballs. Every moment of this inquiry has come because well-prepared, well-skilled, intellectually curious lawyers are putting people on the hot seat and they don't get to get out of the chair like politicians do where their assistant, their young parliamentary assistant comes yank them and say, oh, the minister has a two o'clock. This to me is my number one takeaway that I don't think is going to be talked about enough. There is an actual camera in a quasi courtroom here. Mm -hmm. Justice Rouleau is the former uh, justice from the Court of Appeal. These are all lawyers that are trained litigation lawyers and the public needs to wake up. And here's the link back Mm -hmm. to the interview we did about Tamara Leach and the enemy of the state and COVID. All roads lead back to the search for truth. The search for truth for two years has been put on hold where you can't question anything. You can't ask questions. The science you're told is from Fauci and nobody else, even though he gets everything wrong all of the time and twice on Sunday. You're not allowed to ask questions. Doctors who have a good faith basis and Hippocratic oath were not allowed to challenge the science. The whole point of science, Rupa, is that it's constantly questioned. And the Emergencies Act inquiry, this is why I'm so passionate about what Canadians should be seeing. Don't worry about whether the, the, the horns were honking or whether Steve Bell, the interim police chief, butchers the term violence, which mm-hmm. was one of the most disingenuous moments in the hearing. Again, cross-examination. Mm-hmm. Steve Bell, who's a master linguist, a very cunning linguist, people can get what I just said, comes to the inquiry. <laughs> there you go, Rupa. comes to the inquiry and says, well, we had all this intelligence, I use that term loosely, that people were going to be violent. Mm -hmm. Now, there is no violence here. Mm -hmm. You you, You can sit here, I'll debate any listener who says differently. Yes, the horn honking was disgraceful. No, I'm not in favor of it. No, I don't not in favor of blockades, just so people have full disclosure. But he comes and says there was violence and we were worried about violence and the cross-examination, Rupa, which wouldn't have happened if Steve Bell was at a press conference. This is the key. If Steve Bell wasn't under cross-examination, the following exchange wouldn't have happened. Well, wait a minute, sir. What kind of violence do you mean? Do you mean horn honking? Do you mean having trouble walking down the street? Or do you mean criminal code defined violence. I know I'm getting into the weeds, Rupa, but there's a point here. And it's only, it's only because the cross examiner didn't accept the pablum that Steve Bell, who is, again, very good at doing this. I've experienced it personally in cases I've done with the Ottawa Police Service, where he's extraordinarily uh, gifted at communicating, but saying actually nothing. And when the cross examiner The lawyer pushed back and said, well, wait a minute, you're here under oath. Do you mean violence like annoying people or do you mean violence as defined in the criminal code? Remember, he's a police chief. He knows what violence is. He resiles from it and goes, no, no, you're right. 
I don't mean criminal code violence. I mean the annoyance, the intimidation, the yelling at people about masks. Why is that important, Rupa? That's important because so much of the subtext of this inquiry, because you did ask me at the beginning, what do I think about it? I think it's a bit of a kangaroo court. I think it's a charade. I think it's become partisan and political. Freedom convoy people, bad. People in Ottawa inconvenienced in the main drag of the main city and the main province of the place that you're supposed they're, they're all good. That's what this has been, this smear of the right wing, the white supremacist, bull crap. I'm not going to swear on your air. But all of this has become partisan. And the only reason we're, we're seeing that the narratives don't add up, the pieces of the puzzle don't come together. We'll see what Trudeau does. He, he'll probably be better than people think he'll be. But right now, we have no justifiable theme other than we don't like the Freedom Convoy people, why this Emergencies Act needed to be invoked mm -hmm. and all of the other powers of the state couldn't. That will lead me into a little bit of Doug Ford and the summons issue, but let me pause there. That's my takeaway, Rupa, of really what this act is about for Canadians who look more deeply into what they're seeing, not just myopically, at yeah. do I like the convoy, do I not? Yeah, no, that's a great summation, Ari, of, uh, you know, of what, what's happened so far. It's, uh, it's excellent. But um, I, I, we'll get to Doug Ford uh, in, a, in a little bit. But, uh, but, but do you think that so far the government's rationale for invoking the Emergencies Act looks it just looks really, really weak? I mean, they just, uh, this was overreach, if, just putting it mildly. So... Let's look at that, and yeah. I, I like that term overreach. One yeah. of the things that has bothered me the most about this is the fundamental lack of due process that came into this and the way ordinary average Canadians were treated. Mm -hmm. If the use of the Emergencies Act, Rupa, full disclosure, was limited to forcing the tow truck drivers, who didn't really want to yank out some of their friends in the big rigs, of forcing that Ottawa protest, convoy, whatever you want to call it. I'm not talking about the blockades. Those were being moved out. Coots and others, even certain provinces didn't think they needed the act to deal with that. Let's look at downtown Ottawa because you have people and lawyers making their living off of basically turning this into January 6th. You've seen people invoke that idiotic, asinine, absolutely ridiculous, stupid comparison even though I think January 6th was a big nothing burger, uh, I have my own views about that. I saw somebody on MSNBC the other day compare January 6th and say it was worse than 9-11. Oh Anybody God. who says that yeah. should be taken up to the 92nd floor of a burning building mm. with no fire escape or root out and be forced to sit there and stew in it. I mean that literally. Anybody who makes that comparison. Yep. The reason that I say that is because if the Emergencies Act powers were granted in the most limited way. The tow truck drivers were forced, go get rid of the big rigs, line them up, tow. maybe I'm okay with that. But when you start freezing the ordinary bank accounts, the non-money laundering, tax evading, I mean, this is a country where 27 million people out of about 30 something pay taxes. Mm -hmm. Most evade taxes, uh, the money laundering in this country is insane. Check the housing markets if you don't believe me, if you're in Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal. But when you have ordinary people giving 25 bucks or 50 bucks 
to a cause that they believe in to protest mandates and lockdowns, which look at where the science has us now. Just look at where the science, in quotation marks, science trademark, has us now. That, to me, is where the Emergencies Act became disgusting. It wasn't limited in its scope. It was an excuse for Freeland to go do what she wanted to do in her plutocratic way, which, by the way, is a betrayal of who she was 11 or 12 years ago. As a journalist, that too. As she wrote her book. So for me, Mm -hmm. full disclosure, I have trouble believing something was a terrible crisis emergency in a civilized Western country because a downtown part of Ottawa was messed up. And and look, I sympathize with the people who had to hear the horns. I do. But when you have on the weekend or week of the emergency being invoked in Ontario, let's not just call it Canada, in Ottawa, Ontario, but the premier of the province is snowmobiling. Mm. He's out snowmobiling. I'm not knocking him. More power to him. I wish I had a snowmobile. But when you have the premier of the province in the middle of this dire federal provincial emergency snowmobiling, you can make all the intellectual, ideological, esoterical arguments that you want to me. I have real skepticism that this needed to be invoked. And who backs me up on this? A lot of the OPP members who have testified so far. So let's talk about Doug Ford. Uh, I believe that um, that um, that you know he he and uh, Doug Ford and Sylvia Jones. I, she was a solicitor general at the time. At the, the time, court. yeah, and she's the current health minister. Um, they've been summoned uh, to testify at the Emergencies Act uh, inquiry, and uh, and I, I believe Ontario. I mean, this is breaking news from uh, from earlier today. Has filed an application. Uh, for judicial review, uh, seeking to uh, quash, uh, quash the summons. Um, so let's let's talk about what you know. Why 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 do you think that Doug Ford? Why do you think Doug Ford uh, should be uh, present at the inquiry? Um, the, the attorney general says in documents filed in the federal court that irreparable harm will occur if Ford testifies. Can you tell us? Could you explain to us what this harm would be, and uh, and 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 of course the optics of Doug Ford not testifying versus Justin Trudeau testifying? Sure. So yeah. l- let me break it down for people who hear judicial review, stay okay. of proceedings, quashing a summons. Let's make it more easy to understand. I think yeah. it's important because these big words tune people out. If I say quash judicial summons, you know everybody's eyes glaze over. If I say Kanye West, everybody <laughs> wakes up. That's the shiny object world that we live in. So what's happened here is that anybody who underestimates Doug Ford's political instincts does so at their own peril. Now, Doug Ford has filed an application saying this is about what's called parliamentary privilege, which is if somebody in parliament, such as a premier, has to come before a body and be cross-examined on how the sausage is made. Let's make it simple that that runs a problem or an affront to the ordinary good workings of democratically elected officials, that they won't be able to speak freely, do their business, it will do damage to democracy. Now, I think anybody hearing me say that can probably say, well, I don't think that sounds all that compelling here. Here's the problem. The way the rules are written, he's probably going to succeed in that challenge. He's probably going to succeed 
in having the summons quashed. There were rules about when parliaments in session, uh, not parliament, um, the legislature, you got to remember we're in Ontario now. There are rules about when it's in session before and after somebody can't be compelled to do it. No, he's not going to go to jail like Steve Bannon did for defying it. What would be interesting to me is if the legislator legislature actually drafted a motion saying he should go testify. That would be really interesting to me that the legislature itself passes something. But he is probably going to be able to get a court to agree that there's some kind of error of law here because the rules are clear, he can't be compelled to do it. Now, whether I'm right or wrong on that, and I'm hoping that I'm wrong, by the way, I don't often hope I'm wrong, I'm hoping I'm wrong. The optics of this are really, really interesting. And where does it take us back to Rupa? He, and I've not spoken to him, but I don't throw him under the bus. I think he's a lot more clever than people give him credit for, okay? Mm -hmm. He understands that whatever heat he's going to take, being called a coward by people in Ottawa, somebody offered to drive him there, some MP or MPP offered to like literally pick him up like an Uber and take him. He understands, and you'll remember where this answer is going, where he said he shoulder to shoulder with Prime Minister Trudeau the other day. Remember yeah, he said, yeah. I stand sh as the guy who funds this province, mm -hmm. or vice versa, arguably, was standing behind him. He doesn't want to bite the hand that feeds him. So the op the optics of being called the coward or the judicial state, he has made a decision that it's much more politically expedient for him to go this way and be called a bunch of names. Some of them may be fair. I think he'd be the first to say, look, I'm a man of the people, but I can't come testify before the people. Think through that. I mean, people always say, and I was talking about this with Anthony Fury the other day, he's a man of the people, he's a populist. Mm, you know, maybe Rob Ford was a little bit more of that. Doug yeah. Ford is a very wealthy man, lived most of his life in Chicago. He's a millionaire many times over. I know he looks the part of, you know, the Bob and Doug guy at an arena, mm -hmm. but he's really... You know, you know, people say the new prime minister unelected in, in, in Britain, you know, is the Goldman Sachs guy and married to the million. You know, if you're not a working person, it's very easy to say you're a working person and a man of the people and have a barbecue and a picnic where a bunch of people show up because you're kind of famous. It's another thing to have the calculation to say, look, I know there's an inquiry. I know I'm the premier of the province where the Emergencies Act was invoked. I know the OPP, it's not called the RCMP, the OPP was critical to the decision-making that went into the act. He knows, in my view, he knows exactly what happened here. I believe, and look, I would say this to him respectfully, he knows this wasn't an emergency. He knows this could be dealt with otherwise. I don't think he wants to go be cross-examined because again, He's never been cross-examined. The experience is one he does not want. He has made that calculation with the support of some law. I don't want to spend time on it. It's kind of boring. But he could very, very easily have said, I don't care whether there's privilege or not. The argument that if I talk about whether this act should have been invoked as the, as the head of the province, that's somehow going to make the business of parliament be destroyed. That's horse manure to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The point of the story and why, again, this matters to me is because we're living through a climate, Rupa, and I think there's a bigger story here. There's midterms coming up in the States. Right. 
where we have a problem with accountability in this world. That's a really important word to me. We have a problem with somebody taking responsibility. Have any heads rolled because of the withdrawal from Afghanistan? No. no. Have any heads rolled in the military industrial complex because we're pissing billions of dollars away on the Ukraine? No. no. Are any heads going to roll because COVID, lockdowns, mandates, children's schools? Have any of that, those people being held accountable? No, because they're almost always on the left or the far left. Doug Ford says, well, there's two senior officials and a bunch of cops that can answer everything. Are they as accountable as the leading Democratic figure in the province? Mm -hmm. That's where the story becomes more interesting to me. And what will be interesting to me is to whether Ford's own base, Ford Nation, cares a lick about this. Because to me, you're, if you're brave, you testify. If you've got something to hide, you don't. It's got nothing to do with parliamentary privilege. He knows that cross-examination for him would either be his worst day because he doesn't want to say what he really thinks, or he could surprise us all if he's there and go, you know what? I'm not going to kiss posterior. I don't think this should have been done. I think the protesters were yahoos. But there were other ways, OPP, RCMP, other uh, people to do it. And the point that I want to close on on this so people understand I'm not partisan. I look at any issue and decide whether I think it's right, wrong, fair or not. If Justin Trudeau can testify, the prime minister who literally has never been cross-examined, and I think he will do better than a lot of people think he will. I really think people underestimate yeah. what he will do at his own peril. I give Justin Trudeau credit, even though the inquiry is federal and people don't need to write an email say it's federal, it's this, I, I get that. But for Justin Trudeau to be willing to do it, to get on the hot seat where he will have convoy lawyers, where this is the case of their life, this is the cross-examination of their life, this is the only way they're ever going to get on CBC, City TV, True North, YouTube. For Justin Trudeau to do it, Rupa, and Doug Ford to be taking this, albeit probably successful path, that troubles me not only as a person interested in transparency and accountability, it troubles me as an Ontarian because I happen to live in Ontario as well. Yeah, I, I fully agree with you. I yeah, The optics of this look terrible for Doug Ford. Maybe this political expediency uh, maybe comes out of this, uh, comes ahead uh, uh, politically, but I, I don't see how that's that's going to be the case. Maybe he's just, uh, you know, the fact that he doesn't have to fight an election for a while, right? That That's, that's a huge, fact. it's a yeah. huge, huge part of it, Rupa. That's yeah. why I say, because if he was sitting here, yeah. I wouldn't be saying any of this any differently than if he was sitting next to you, I would say this directly. I, I have an admiration for somebody who looks down the road, sees the forest through the trees. He's, he's going to be Teflon. This will not matter when some moron on the far left runs against him and whenever the next election is. He's made that calculation. Much better to do it through the lawyers, through the judicial review, than having moments caught live on tape, to use an old phrase, right. where he's tripped up on a question, he says something that's demonstrably, provably wrong. He's making a very, very wise decision. I would probably, if I knew the details, which I don't, but if I knew how the sausage was made, I, if I was his counsel, 
probably give them the same advice, which is worse for you, doing this through the lawyers, letting it pass, worrying about inflation, talking about crime, handguns, hunting, rainy river, uh, the bus to this, uh, LRTs, subways, or being literally under oath in cross-examination where you can't get out of it. And there may be a clip or two in this YouTube 15 second YouTube, Doug Ford destroyed, Doug Ford undressed, all of these stupid things that become mm -hmm. viral. I don't think he's making a stupid decision. I'm not mm -hmm. saying it sits well with me. Yeah. But you know, you have to think a little higher level than all the people calling him a coward today. Right. That's not gonna do anything.